the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. And Ben, we've had uh, we had a good response to our episode last week on teleportation. And if you remember, one of the stories we featured was about a man called Gil Perez. Yes. Who in 1593 managed to teleport somehow from Manila to Mexico. Um, <laughs> we have had a comment about it from someone called Ferdinand um, on our Facebook. Okay. At TQM Podcast. I think he's kind of explaining what how it might have worked. Now, I'm going to try and read this paragraph out without stumbling over my words, but I think it's going to be a very difficult one to do, and then we can dissect it. Okay. So here goes. I tell you what, we're not going to re-record this. However badly I read it, we are going to leave it in, okay? Okay, hit me. So, Ferdinand says, Anyway, curved etheric time-space continuum implies the bending of curved physical space-time continuum into infinitesimal proportions. Thus, in a fraction of a second, Gil Perez had succeeded in bending physical space-time continuum between Manila and Mexico into infinitesimal proportions. Thus, he suddenly disappeared in Manila via a formidable vortex slash vortices and manifesting suddenly in Mexico. Um, so that, that's how it works. I, I did quite well reading that. I was quite impressed. I, that, only tried, I only stumbled once. You didn't stumble, and that's probably what I would have said. Yeah. Aside, I, it I isn't. Ha- <laughs> I haven't got a clue what any of that means, but it sounds really good, so thanks for sending us that. No, no, thank um, you. Like, genuinely, sometimes it's not easy to understand these things, so... Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm glad he... Yeah, Ferdinand, you took the time to respond, and I, I kind of, I think I understand bits of it. Is that like a wormhole? Do you think he's talking about? Yeah, that's that's what I get from it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wormhole. Anyway, I, um, yeah, that was. Uh, I've been thinking about that Gil Perez story a lot. It was. Uh, it's an interesting case that, and I love the fact he got released from jail. So, if you've not heard that episode, it's the one we did last week. It's called Teleportation, that story, and there's some really good other stuff in there. So uh, go back and have a listen if you've got the time. That would be brilliant. Not only give it a listen, but give it a review, give it a like, Yeah. tell a friend, yeah. Yeah. all of that good stuff. Yeah, teleport somewhere and tell a friend. That's what we say. Te- te- <laughs> tele- <laughs> teleport. Can we make that a slogan, teleport, telephone? friend well you know in the 1970s they would have made that into a slogan yeah teleport a friend teleport a friend um, yeah there you go uh you don't know what i'm doing this week do you you know what i haven't got the slightest idea so okay I'm quite excited okay so uh we always said we would only do stuff that other people hadn't spoken about but I am going to do something that other people have spoken about because I've been reading a few books which have made me really intrigued, and that is about past lives and very specifically the past life memories of children. Because right. I, you, every, everybody who listens to this, you, you know that Peter and I have both worked in 
the TV industry. And many years ago, I would say like 12 years ago, I was involved in a pilot of a show where we were making uh, a series about children who remembered their past lives. And it was it was pretty powerful. It was also really difficult to make, but it it stuck with me. And the sort of the veracity of, veracity of the stories has really stuck with me. And so this week I've done a bit of a deep dive into it. But before I get into it, um, I don't have any kids, but Peter, you've got two. Did either of them ever speak about something when they were little that you couldn't put your finger on? Not anything that I could tie into past life. Um, I mean, the closest, actually, I remember uh, one of my aunts saying to me which is not a past life thing it's more it's a paranormal thing one of my aunts once said to me when i was an adult does that old lady still come and visit you oh yeah and and said and i was like oh what are you talking about and she said no when you were a child you used to say that an old lady would come to your room and brush your hair and she was very nice and you liked her oh yeah Um, yeah but it's not a past life thing so no is the answer to your question but so that's the closest i've got of anything paranormal involving child but children yeah well one of the main reasons for doing this this week is uh so it's my stepmom's birthday coming up in a week's time and i think i've mentioned it on here before her daughter her youngest daughter she would speak about the time when she was a boy and there's a whole load of stuff and we've spoken about it before like it sounds like she was a brown shirt in uh one of in hitler's movement which is kind of eh, it's terrifying she doesn't remember yeah. anything the child well she's an adult now she doesn't remember anything about it but it stuck with me and all of the people I spoke to when I was making my show stuck with me and I have recently spoken to a number of people who have got young children and this tends to be sort of from the age of when they speak to about four when this comes through. So kind of 18 months to four years old and they sort of if it comes through they talk about like oh mummy do you remember when and they'll talk about something where the parent doesn't remember anything about it and although this has been done to death on other podcasts i'm just going to take a slightly different view to it um and the first thing i wanted to say because i thought oh look i'm just going to investigate this and see what i can find in the wild And the first thing that I found was the University of Virginia have done a whole load of research papers on children with past lives. Oh, interesting. Right. And I didn't know this. And it comes from their Division of Perceptual Studies. And the first article that I landed on that was interesting speaks about how they have spoken to more than two and a half thousand people with cases who uh, have 
uh, basically specified the fact that they had past life experiences. So this is parents who have recorded incidents from their children. So uh, the article goes on to say, uh, many of those children come from countries where the majority of the inhabitants believe in reincarnation. So that's sort of like a bit of a, a, a red flag at the beginning. But it goes on to say others come from countries where different cultures and religions are exist where they reject it. In many cases, the revelations of the children have been verified and have been corresponded to a particular individual already dead. So what they're saying is that they've done the research and... The, it's checked out. It's checked out, yeah. And a good number of these children have marks and birth defects corresponding to wounds on the body of the previous personality. And that's really wow, important. Okay. That's coming up. I'm going to talk about that more in the future. But that is a significant thing, which when I was making the TV show, I had no awareness of. I didn't realise that there were physical attributes to this phenomenon. Right. And it goes on to say many have behaviours related to their claims to the former life, which include phobias and attachments. So um, fear of uh, flying, fear of drowning, fear of choking, all of these sorts of things. And so I, gosh, I thought this was super interesting uh because i it never occurred to me to look into this from a academic basis yeah i delved deeper into it and again from the university of virginia we get a second paper which talks about some young children usually between the ages of two and five speak about memories of a previous life they claim to have lived At the same time, they often show behaviours, phobias or preferences, which is what they referenced before, that are unusual within the context of that particular family and cannot be explained by any current life events. These memories appear to be concordant with the child's statements about a previous life. So I think this is really important. So what we're talking about here, it's not just memories of oh, do you remember when I was a boy or do you remember when I was your mummy, which are, you know, statements that I've heard. But this is very specific to growing up with a trait, a phobia, a uh, a predilection, which appears to correlate with something that happened in a previous life. And, And I think that, is like super interesting and um i've got a personal experience of that and i'll come on to that into a minute but um the person that has been researching this for the division of perceptual studies is a gentleman called dr jim tucker and he's been doing that for 20 years and he's even written a book called return to life And in that book, he talks about people who have accounts about uh, young children and even adults who remember their young child life that relate to previous lives. And that is is a, 
a genuinely interesting book. I'm not going to cover it here because I'm going to cover another book. I I bought it. I read it. It's fine, but it's everything that you might expect. It's very much like, you know, I remember being here and then this thing happened and I can correlate it to this and that's why I'm scared of water, for example. Right. Um, but this article goes on. Before I come on to the book that I'm going to cover, this article goes on to speak about some of the really common, uh, I guess, statements that a young child might make, uh, which would lead you to think, okay, there's something weird going on here. And again, I don't have a child to check this against, but I, I wonder whether any of these, they might not ring true for you, but I think you might think, oh gosh, that is quite weird. So, uh, this is uh, Dr. Tucker again, and he, he talks about like some of the really common statements that he hears from these children. So things like, you're not my mummy, you're not my, uh, you're not my mummy, you're not my daddy, I have another mummy, I have another daddy. When I was big, I used to have, and then it sort of turns right. into, oh, I had a sports car, I used to have this big house. Um, another one of the strangest ones is what happened before I was in mummy's tummy was and I think that's quite weird because there's a uh, an understanding of you know the current situation and the previous yeah. situation uh, also slightly more disturbing I have a wife husband children and again we'll come back to that I used to drive a truck live in another town, all those sorts of things. Uh, memories of when they died. So a statement, I died in a car accident. I died after I fell. I died. Uh, and in the incident that I remember, the child I was interviewing, I died in a World War Two bomber. Uh, and then probably the most common is remember when I... So, for example, lived in that other house. Remember when I was your daddy. Remember when I was your brother. And those are all things that, you know, tend to be more common than you would imagine. Like, as I say, I've got friends and family who absolutely have had that happen to them. And this is part of the two and a half thousand cases studied by the university of virginia but I, I think that sort of um all of these common statements you kind of go well i wonder i wonder if other people are talking about them because this is an academic institution and not everybody with a kid who says something like this would go and contact an academic institution so you sort of have to like think well, yeah. How common is this? So, I mean, I've, I've got a quick question on um, the. Uh, so, the people doing the research, um, the department they're in. What, what's the what's the overall mission, or is it a psychology department? What, what's their angle? What what is the studies that they're doing? 
Or is it purely focused on this kind of no, stuff? No, it's not purely focused on this. So perceptual studies, it is largely around... Um, I guess the the best way to characterise it is to say consciousness and the way that humans using consciousness interact with the world. Right. So other studies, they have... Like, this is one of the very few which revolves around a paranormal... Uh, sort of interpretation of the world they talk about like how uh people for example approach being of a certain gender or going uh were uh, growing up within uh, a particular framework of childhood that is based around um a socio-economic climate or right. Um, they 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 would study people who were brought up by uh, two women, two men. They're basically studying the way that children and humans work with the world, depending on their previous experiences. And that and that could be neurological. It could be environmental. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. And yeah, and, yeah. and it is not based upon paranormal things it just so happens that this is a subject that they have covered because it comes up so often and i think that's super interesting the fact yeah, that, that says something about it doesn't it it does it does and so and you kind of go well how because I, I i suppose i mean like we we've spoken a lot about you know this has been an interest for both of us you know for as long as i can remember but i have never really thought about past life experiences until probably 20 years ago I, it wasn't something i didn't even know that such a thing existed and therefore i was super surprised to find out how common it was and then to sort of back up those statements from what I was reading there about the University of Virginia and to think about, well, you know, who else is talking about this? Um, I did a quick look round from on the normal sites, your Coras, your Mums, yep. Nets, um, etc. And <laughs> yeah, there's loads. Um, the one that stood out for me, and this is what I found from Cora, um, was uh, a poster who said the other day my four-year-old asked me hey mummy do you remember when we were babies and you were the same size as me and granny was our mummy and the poster says i was flawed and she says what do you mean something like that does make you think that of almost some kind of inherited memory that's come down genetically do you know what I mean? Like as if your cells, you know, that, that yeah, that, that's why I was thinking while you were talking about it, because there there is a family connection, even if it's, you know, you don't, I guess you don't know what the kid's trying to communicate. But I thought that was interesting me while you were talking of when you, when people talk about these experiences and ones that they can check out, and I'm sure you're going to get onto that, whether there is some family connection. So there, could there be some inherited knowledge rather than, you know, it's a random person who lives, you know, 100,000 miles away or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So so there has been research on inherited memories, and I'm going to come on to that. 
Brilliant. Just just before I do, I just wanted to mention this other one, which I thought was massively spooky. It comes from um, the same forum as the previous one. And uh, the poster says, she was walking past an old cemetery and my three-year-old son casually said, my brother is in there. And when I reminded him they didn't have a brother, he said, no, mama, from before, when the other lady was my mummy. And, wow. <laughs> like, if you're a parent, that is going to... You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> that is, yeah, exactly. That's going to send every hair on the back of your neck yeah. Yeah. Uh, just going crazy, right? But be- before I get on to the inherited memory stuff, I did want to touch upon the birthmarks and birth defect stuff because this is completely new to me wow, and yeah, that's amazing uh, and, and i i literally never come across it before um and this story is uh it comes from sri lanka and it involves the case of again standard apology on uh pronunciation this is done. a person called panima ekanaka Ek- Echinacea? I'm going to say Echinacea. Yeah. Panema was born with a group of light-coloured birthmarks over the left side of her chest and lower ribs. When she was four years old, she saw a television programme about the Kalinia Temple, which was 145 miles away from where she lived, and she said she recognised it. When she later visited the temple with her parents and on a school trip, She said that she had lived on the other side of the river that flowed beside it. She eventually made 20 statements about a past life, claiming to have been a male incense maker who was selling incense sticks on his bicycle when he was hit by a large vehicle and killed. She named two incense brands she said he sold, ones her parents did not know. An associate of her father, who spent weekends in Kalanya, investigated and found that there were three small family incense business uh, existing across the river by the temple. One of them sold sold the brands Panema had named. So the investigator, he sort of takes this really seriously and takes it further. And he starts taking statements from uh, Panema and from all of the statements that she says he can find three that were completely incorrect three that were unclear but 14 that were absolutely verifiable and the most verifiable and I think this is super interesting He obtained the incense maker's autopsy report, which documented fractured ribs on the left, a ruptured spleen and abrasions running diagonally from his left, sorry, from his right shoulder across his chest to his left abdomen. These corresponded to the birthmarks Pernima had over her chest and ribs. So, and and we're going to come on to this later, but what we've got, is now solid evidence, it seems, 
for the majority of statements that this child is making about a previous life, which can be checked out. And those are things like the address of this person, this incense seller, uh, as you heard there, the, uh, the manufacturer's name of those incense sticks, which are sold yeah. by a very small minority of people. And also he includes things like... Uh, uh, statements from people who knew that incense seller to to back up what that person is saying. So 14 verifiable true statements, three that are not verifiable but could possibly be true but might not be, and three which cannot be verified. So we've got a majority of that seems credible, right? Yeah, I mean, there's the 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 odds on that are <laughs> quite remarkable aren't they i think also the examples that you're talking about you know because i get what would you say if you're a skeptic you'd say oh well it's just stuff that people would know but it seems like a lot of the things that were very verifiable are quite uh quite random things it's not the thing you would immediately think of to say you know what I mean? Whether yeah. you're a child or not. I, I, that interests me, that they are quite random details in a way. That's right. But I, I think, and this will become clear later, the fact that it isn't 100% verifiable is problematic. Because right. if, if... So I suppose the way I think about it is... If you caught up with a friend after 20 years, um, say a school friend, and you said, what have you been up to? And they said, oh, you know, I've been working for PC World, then I was a butcher, and then uh, I was adopting Romanian dogs, and I got married to a girl called Rosie, and uh, we lived in this village and that village. You'd, you know, you'd have to be a little bit weird to check up on it. But if you did check up on it, you would expect all of those things to be true, wouldn't you? You'd expect, like, you'd be able to go, oh, yeah, I see I see the address you lived. And um, I, I see, yeah, yeah, I see on your LinkedIn you worked for PC World for three years. But the fact that it is only, like, 70% that is 100% verifiable, that's when you start thinking, why is that then? What what's going on there? And, and does it say what the the ones that were not verifiable or or were proved well accurate? No, it, do we it, know what they were? It, it doesn't say. It, well, it it sort of references them in terms of uh, their names of family members, names of houses, um, places that they said they worked. So very similar to what I just. Said. I mean, my, I, I, my comeback to, and I agree with your premise, it would make me suspicious if I met an old friend who basically told me 70-odd percent truths, but some of it wasn't true. But I guess the counter to that is people lie about stuff all the time for various reasons, do you know what I mean? To kind of make themselves feel better, to ingratiate themselves to the person they're talking to. You know what I mean? I, I think you're right to 
flag it as kind of okay that makes me a little suspicious but people do lie about stuff whether it's this life or past life i guess well that's true but why well we're gonna come we're we're gonna absolutely tackle this topic but i suppose what i would say why would a child who is remembering a previous life lie about anything they they're they're so young they they've got no reason to lie but it's not even in their current timeline there's nothing yeah but i what i guess what i'm saying is if the person let's go with it if the person that they were (laughs) so this guy in this example was an adult i see they lied to themselves or lied in their own life do you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's not they've inherited the lies as if they were a truth i see i see yeah okay i hadn't considered that that is a really good point that is a really good point. And, and let's revisit that a little bit cool. down the line. But just, yeah. just while we're on it and talking about birth defects and uh, birthmarks, uh, the, other, the other case that really super intrigued me is a boy in Turkey, and he is named Simer Tatusmus. Again, I'm going to, yeah, Simer Tatusmus. That's the best I can do. <laughs> And we are going to do John Smith next week, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and his wife Beryl. <laughs> oh yes, so so much. But he was born with a severely deformed right ear, the external ear being only a linear stump. Uh, in addition to the right side of his face, uh, sorry. In addition to this, the right side of his face did not fully develop a defect known as hemifacial dis, uh, diplasia. Dipoplasia. Okay, dipoplasia. Got it. Okay. His father had known a man who was killed by a shotgun blast to the right side of his head in what was said to be an accident. Semi's mother did not know the man personally but dreamed of him two, ways before, uh, two days before Semi was born. The man said in his dream that he had been shot in the ear and that he was going to stay with Simi's mother. When Simi, uh, Simi became old enough to talk, he, be- he made a number of statements about the previous man's life and expressed a strong desire to visit his family. He expressed great animosity be- be- uh, towards the man's neighbour who had shot the man after mistaking him by his account for a rabbit. You would you would show a bit of animosity to that, wouldn't you? You would, yes. Yeah. So the denouement to this story is yes, it is true that in this case, his uh, this uh, person that his parents knew very specifically, his father had been shot in the face, and he had sustained injuries which relate very strongly to the birth defects of their child. The, the fact that the mother dreamt about this person before they were born, I, I have problems with that. That sounds to me very much like the elephant man and the fact that, you know, yeah. his, yeah, yeah, his yeah. mother said she dreamt of elephants sort of, yeah. you know, a week yeah. before he was born and that's why he had birth defects. Yeah. But it is interesting that there is a real-life correlation there. But I do think that that is a little bit more difficult to put together 
into a cohesive story than some of the other things we've spoken about. Yeah, and also it's making me think that, you know, I don't know how big the town that they live in is, but, you know, when the child had this birth defect, did it, is there some, you know, is the stories of this guy could kind of feed in. You could see how the story may have influenced the child and the parents. Yes. Not not necessarily out of, you know, uh, taking advantage of the situation, but almost subconsciously may have got played into a narrative. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that, that way round rather than the other way round, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, completely. And it, this, I think this is one of those things where in the world of the paranormal... Um, and this this phrase comes from the remote viewing, but signal and noise. Yeah. And this feels a lot like noise rather than signal because it's it's like it's a roundabout story. It and I think anybody could probably pull out a story like that, even if it you know if this is a story it's kind of quite bad taste to to do that about a a child who has a birth defect but i could you know i think i could find a lot of people if i if i went and spoke to people and said you know do you know anybody that lost an ear or had a facial scar or something and then you had a kid and they had something that was similar I reckon you'd be able to find it, but the the idea that that is paranormally associated, I think, does take a little bit of a stretch of imagination. If I'm brutally yeah. honest, yeah. But it's 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 interesting that that family, you know, thought there was such a was such a, a thing. Connection, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like I said, I think if you if you took it from a skeptic's point of view that doesn't mean that they were being mean or nasty or whatever it might have just been a a belief system that they'd put in place because it was kind of maybe easier to deal with what was going on with their child you know what i mean yeah 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 totally totally it, do, it, it doesn't have to be uh incongruent it it, it could be it could be a, a rational explanation of why they've gone down that route. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. But before I mention anything about science, um, this is something, and and um, being an, an avid TV geek, I thought I'd have known about this. I had no idea. There is um, a lady called Jenny Cockle, and she was covered in a 1990s BBC TV show called Strange But True, which I was not aware of. And no. finding clips of it on YouTube are almost impossible. I found, like, little snippets, but finding whole episodes is doesn't seem very possible. But she's a English woman, and she travelled to Ireland based on memories she believed that she'd had since she was a small child because she was convinced that she was the reincarnation of a Dublin woman called Mary Sutton who had uh, children who were still living in Ireland. 
And so basically the backstory of this, she claims that even before the age of four, she felt that she had previously been called Mary and appeared to vividly remember the details of her death in the 1930s, uh, where she believed she died in hospital while giving birth to her eighth child when she was just 35. So she realised when she was in this reincarnation, if we believe this, that her children would still be alive. So she said... It wasn't until she herself was married with children that Cockle decided to explore these supposed uh, old memories further. But she was still sceptical of what they may be, despite the fact that she had spoken out of, about them throughout her life. With the help of a hypnotist, she became to look back further and began to believe that she was truly the reincarnation of Mary. And she made the decision to travel to Ireland in 1989 and she sought out what she claims were her former children so she uh, looks for Sonny and Christy who are 72 Frank who is 70 Phyllis who's 71 Betty who is 62 uh, their brothers Jeffrey and James who died in 1992 age 66 and all of these people that she claims were her kids and this is really key the bbc follow her on this story now all of these people that were still alive obviously the ones that were dead were dead but the the ones that were still alive the bbc interviewed them along with her and after the interview they were willing to accept that wow. this was at least their mother sending a message through Cockle in right. an attempt to bring them back together after the young family was separated and sent to live with different family members or adopted after their mother's death. Or, and this was harder for them to uh, come to terms with, or she really was the reincarnation. But... That's quite a tough thing to try and accept at any age, isn't it? It's really tough. <laughs> so so Jenny Cockle, I guess, was younger than them when she met them, was she? Yeah. She must have been, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wow, she, she, okay. she, she was in her early 30s. And I, I tell you what, there's that that TV series. Who do you think you are? This is this is the paranormal equivalent, isn't it? Who do you think you were? Well, <laughs> yes, uh, I, and actually, I was going to mention there is another TV series that has done that. Well, no, it's gone. It, it takes celebrities and t- uh, regresses them and does their previous lives. Right, right. And it did many series, uh, as far as I can tell, six series at ITV in the early 2000s, and it was called Have I Been Here Before? (laughs) And my favourite, favourite one was, uh, I'm I'm definitely not going to take the piss, because A, he's dead, and I think he was a greater comedian than people give him credit for, was Eddie Large. And Eddie Large was a guest on episode 26, of series six 
and he turned out to be an 18th century Jacobite named Jock Campbell. And he ran away with the bearded lady from the local circus. Um, He always has showbiz in his blood. He always had showbiz (laughs) in his blood. Uh, But... I'm not going to make ill of the dead. I think Eddie Large had a lot to give the world, and uh, yeah, I thought I I thought that was uh, super interesting. But I I do think that this is this is really interesting that you get these things where the press and television become momentarily interested, like like my, the show I made for Sky about um, past lives. But the way that I think about these past life things is because they're so common and it's so easy to find these people and it's so easy to convince, as in this case with um, Cockle, that, you know, there can be a correlation between people currently existing and the claimed former life of the person who's going to it that it actually becomes less interesting and it sort of um, ebbs and flows in terms of uh, not just popularity but credibility. And I think that credibility sort of comes with... So if if you think about like the Eddie Lag show I was just talking about, that comes at probably the peak of the most haunted yeah. phenomena where people were super interested in Derek Akura contacting... Yeah people who had once you know you know, lived and maybe he was getting possessed and maybe he wasn't but uh, but also on that is and in this example the hypnosis and past life regression either off camera or on camera it's probably quite easy to place certain memories do you know what i mean and if somebody's in a hypnotic state, they're going to recant them quite uh, convincingly, right? So oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah 100, 100%. I'm not saying that's what they did, but it it's possible, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, it's one of those things where you and, – and I guess this is everything we discuss, but you can present all the evidence that – you have available and that evidence can be as close as as in some of these cases it can be like oh this is the address i lived at and you can prove the name of the person that lived there correlates to the person that the uh the claimant says they were but at the same time there's always going to be a pushback saying well maybe they heard that maybe somebody told them that maybe that is just uh, um, uh, a false memory and this this whole false memory thing which comes up time and time again specifically i think with past lives and also with uh alien abductions i think those yeah. are the two places where you come across it most there is literally no way to prove it either way because you can bring all the evidence that you want but somebody can always say yeah but yeah, but it's reminded me a bit. I think we co- we may have covered it on one podcast. I can't remember what episode it was, but I remember researching a thing where it was a psychology professor who tried an experiment on his kids, who were you know about this age, seven, eight, whatever, um, 
And then later they said, oh, do you remember when you were young and you got lost in the shopping mall? Mm. And they never had. He said, And he said, oh, I was so worried. And then his kids told this quite elaborate story of what happened and how they'd wandered around and how they'd been found by somebody and how they went here. Mm. Very convincing story. And he was mm. like, it never happened. Mm. But because I'd suggested that it might... <laughs> They created this whole story and they believed it. Mm, mm. This memory, yeah, 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 and 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 I think that's where this whole uh, false memory comes from. I was listening to something the other day where um, there was a study done on a bunch of school kids in the US who went on a school trip to a theme park, and after the after the event, they were asked, did you see, do you remember seeing Mickey Mouse? And like, I think it was about 17% of them remembered seeing Mickey Mouse and they described the, their interaction with Mickey Mouse in great detail. And then they were interviewed again a month later and more than 50% remembered meeting Mickey Mouse. But the thing was, it was a theme park which was not a Disney theme park, so Mickey Mouse would not have been there. And so this is more than 50% of those kids having false memory uh, mm. because, um, yeah, I think it was a universal theme park. And the, the, so the idea had been implanted by asking a subset of, well, no, all of them, but a subset of them had gone along with it and then they told their friends and that had become like yep. the thing that had happened and this is what we got to be really super careful of but this is the reason why these things are so darn frustrating because they seem brilliant when you look at the research and you kind of look at the oh well this person absolutely claimed to have lived at this address but the the whole false memory thing, the whole human brain is so fickle that that isn't necessarily true. And I'm going to touch on another reason why that might not necessarily be true in a minute. But before I get there, what I did want to do is introduce this idea which you were talking about, which was the memory through genetics. And this is something right. which has only just started to be researched and this is from a paper from the emory university school of medicine and this is a uh, a piece of work they did on mice using aversion uh training to the scent of cherry blossoms using a series of small electric shocks now i'm not very comfortable talking about this um neither of us uh, support animal experiments like this in any way i don't think they're right or moral i don't i don't like reading about hurting animals i'm only reading what i'm saying i do not support this research in any way but it is interesting in terms of what we're speaking about now yep. what they found was that mice were who were exposed to this exhibited and exhibited this fear, which was produced by the electric shock, produced offspring who had never been experienced, who had never been exposed to this electric shock, right. who were also fearful of the scent of cherry blossoms. 
And what the researchers found was that the brains of these child mice were structurally different from other mice who did not have parents or ancestors who had been exposed to the conditioning. Mm. Which makes logical sense, right? Because it's, you know, if, if that smell is associated with that pain it's it would make sense for your species to pass that information down right absolutely to avoid cherry blossom absolutely it would absolutely yes and that that then opens and, and and i suppose the thing about that study which was surprising and this is mentioned in the paper is that they didn't think it would happen in a single generation, which it did. Like, you you would think that evolution would have allowed several generations or something like that to happen. Is It was very, very fast. For, you know, it is in, in a, you know, a single batch of babies to have inherited what the parents experienced. And... It'd be interesting. It'd be. I don't know if they've done it, but it'd be interesting to know how many generations did it change back. Do you know what I mean? Like after four or five generations, because the threat was no longer there, did it revert back? Would be interesting to know. That is interesting, and that is not covered in the paper. But that is a very, very good point. But it does. It does sort of come around to well, if that is true in rats then if if you have an uh, a close ancestor who has for example been killed by a gun then would you have an aversion to either the sight smell or sound of a gun and that would make sense that you would it would make sense that you would uh, I suppose the interesting thing there is that um, evolution's taken a bit of a nap on other things. Like, I don't think we passed down a intrinsic fear of, for example, driving a car, even though, you know, you might have had a close relative, even a parent um, die in a car accident or through smoking. But then you have to go, well, yes, maybe, but those things tend to only happen after the child is born, right? It's very difficult to die in a car accident and then give uh, give birth to a child. So um, you would then have to move back to do children get born with an intrinsic and inbuilt fear of touching a hot oven for example yeah. or playing with a dog's mouth or um playing with a knife and i'm not sure there's I, i've looked for that and i don't think there are enough studies but i think that is very very interesting there are i mean i there are there's no i'm just looking at some i don't want to go into it because it's i don't think i can do it justice but there are there are quite a few articles about how uh, maybe some experience of trauma can be genetically passed down. I'm reading a BBC Futures article. 
our children and grandchildren are shaped by the genes they inherit from, from us, but new research is revealing that experience of hardship or violence can also leave their mark. And it looks, from just doing a quick summary of it, uh, that it is something to do with the DNA rather than a kind of... Uh, uh, a nurture rather it's nature rather than nurture that there so i don't i don't think it's definitive but there is a lot of thinking that genetically some kind of trauma can be passed down but but then it, i guess it's then a big leap to go the kind of detail that your story from sri lanka you know what i mean there, there's one thing with kind of detailed data let's say being passed down or or just a general fear of something is very different, I would think. Yeah, but you take a story like that, and then if if you do get um, something passed down via genetics, it's very much easier for people to fold a story around it. And although in that story it wouldn't work, would it? Because, like you were saying, I think you were saying a minute ago, it's <laughs> there was. <sighs> There was how would it have been how would it have been passed down because the trauma was the cause of the person's death so you got all the marks and all that kind of stuff you know well, what I mean? uh well yes this was the, but that was that wasn't a parent that was a um, yeah. that was somebody that they knew but it would be it would be very easy in the circumstance we've just been talking about for the parents to be uh, traumatized by a shotgun wound yeah. and in some way pass that down to their child yeah, who just so happens to have a birth defect which resembles the yeah. wounds of the person who was injured and then put two and two together and make five yeah. it, it it's t- i in a way it's one of those cases, one in a million, where it's kind of like there's a coincidence, perhaps there. And this isn't to undermine them; it might not be, but you've got to you've got to take that view of maybe it isn't what it seems, and there might be a number of factors uh, running. Like, um, I, I've got a birthmark under my chin, and I know for a fact that none of my parents, grandparents, or indeed great-grandparents had any wounds uh, to that part of their face. And that is simply just genetics doing what genetics do. Yep, it's a (laughs) Exactly. But my granddad, who fought in the Second World War, I'm pretty sure if he was alive today, I could say to him, do you remember anybody that got shot in the face during combat and he might be able to say yes this person oh, I see. and and so then and then you start you start putting the story together and then you go oh well there are uh, i'm pretty sure that i'm the reincarnation of right. um you know chris who stormed the normandy beaches because he knew my granddad yeah and and then uh you but, what, start, but what we're saying in the cherry blossom example is actually in some way, shape or form, maybe your grandfather witnessing that had a traumatic effect on him that has somehow manifested itself later down the line with his genetic line. So yeah. it's not it's not any past life of Chris, it's just 
<coughs> excuse me, it's just the trauma itself has somehow influenced. And trauma can influence, have a physical manifestation as well as a mental one as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So we still have um, an open mind, but this... So the next thing I'm going to tell you about really concentrated my thoughts on what's really going on here. And it comes back to, like, we always we always seem to fall back on some sort of trickster spirit going on. But um, one of the best-selling books on this subject is called Many Lives, Many Masters by the author, Dr. Brian Weiss. And this book covers the story of him as a psychiatrist treating a patient that in the book is called Catherine. And it all begins with her getting treatment for her fear of choking and drowning. And it takes a long time for her to get this treatment. She doesn't... She's not so keen on getting this treatment because... Well, for various reasons, she's not so, she's not uh, very au fait with hip, hypnotherapy. And Brian Weiss is also, he's a little bit reluctant as well because she's quite a difficult case. This, this is something that's really been affecting her life a lot. And it's a mutual friend who one day stops him in the street and says you do need to treat Catherine she's in desperate need she's really struggling this is really affecting her life and that's where this all starts he he accepts Catherine as a a patient and they start from the beginning and they talk about but, you know, why she might have a fear of drowning, why she might have such a uh, a concern about choking. And she doesn't know why. And he does a bit of conventional hypnotherapy. And they go back to a time when she was three. And she is in her dark room as a child. And this is quite dark. Her father comes in and starts inappropriately touching her. And Brian deals with this at the time and brings her back out of the hypnotic regression, which is, as you remember, in only in this life, a standard hypnotic regression, yeah. and talks her through it. And this is why she has such a difficult relationship with her father. This is why... She doesn't like going to visit her parents and he gives her some coping techniques and she is grateful. She said she hadn't realised this was something that happened and they, you know, they talk about all the things that a therapist should talk about. She, you know, he consults her on, you know, how she wants to bring this up with her father, but her father is very aged at this time and she says, I don't, I don't think I want to go through with that but I'm very grateful for where you've taken me and I hope it makes my life better. But she comes back the following week and nothing is better. Her 
her panic attacks, her fear of choking, her fear of drowning, her fear of dark spaces have not eased at all. And this is much to Brian's... Uh, he's surprised. He thinks that he's hit the nail on the head. He thinks that he's found the thing that is causing all of this because of the darkened room and the abuse. He thinks, right, now I need to start working on how I can make this better for her and work with what she wants to do with her parents. And so he takes her into another hypnotic Regression, And this time he just wants to go a little bit further. He wants to go further back in time just to see what else might have happened. But to his surprise, he goes back further and he ends up in a previous life. And not only one previous life, he ends up circling around and cycling through various past lives. And this is not something he is familiar with and this is certainly not something Catherine had agreed to this is an accident but he asks her to always remember what they've spoken about so that she can bring it back into the therapy environment and they can go through it and what is surprising I think in this case is that she doesn't, she doesn't end up being, you know, the, the, the queen of this or uh, a Hollywood actor or anything like that. All of her lives turn out to be very mundane. In one of the first ones, she's a servant in Egypt. In another one that she doesn't stay in long, she's in an ice-strewn cave and she thinks she's dirty and smelly. She doesn't want to stay there. Um, she ends up being a servant somewhere else. And none of the experiences that she is coming through with does Brian think could be responsible for what her current uh, problems are. But she keeps going back into those and Brian keeps delving and some really interesting things come out. So her current partner resurfaces again and again as her brother, her son, her husband, her father, uh, and he keeps changing sex. Sometimes he's her sister. Even Brian himself comes through as different sexes in different situations within the thing she keeps encountering different people all the way through and the more they go through this and talk about the experiences she's having the better her mental health becomes and then brian starts experimenting by asking i wonder if i can find out what happens when you die so he keeps trying to take her to the moment of death. There's a really traumatic incident where um, she is a uh, a 21-year-old male Viking and they go on a mission to raid a village. And uh, as this 21-year-old male Viking, she gets her throat slit and that's when she dies. And this is the moment where... Brian says, okay, we need to explore this death experience. 
And so he he goes further and further into it, and every lifetime he takes her closer and closer to the moment of death until he finally gets there. And um, she describes... Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a moment where she comes through and she describes herself as floating above her body. And then she's in this warm, cosy place and the people that are now speaking to Brian are the masters. And these masters come forth with a lot of information. And some of the information that comes through is very very relevant to Brian. So one of the things that comes through, and this is what blows his mind, is that they talk about the heart defect that his father had and then his baby who died and describe him having a back-to-front heart. And this knowledge comes directly from the masters. And this is something that Brian recognizes he's never never told Catherine this but he did lose his father to a heart attack and he did lose a very young son because he had a, an incredibly rare heart condition where his heart was wired up back to front and it couldn't do the pumping that um you would expect and the this changes his mind about what's happening and he thinks okay there's something paranormal going on here there's something peculiar and beyond my own understanding here but he keeps going with it he keeps going and the more he keeps going the more that Catherine becomes psychic and she wants to prove that she becomes psychic so she takes brian and a couple of other people along to the races and she chooses every single winning horse and earns a whole load of money at the races. But she has this idea that she can't make any money off this gift that she has unwittingly got from this uh, th- this kind of regression therapy. So she gives it all away to a homeless person. She says she, she can't keep it. And the more she goes down this road with brian the more brian becomes psychic as well and he becomes scared and the more they start to talk about the masters and this is where it becomes for me weird and very similar to um the book which i have discussed a few times called um hungry ghosts or in its reprint recently the siren call of hungry ghosts by joe fisher where he has a similar thing where somebody is undergoing regression therapy and encounters previous lives and again both in that book and in this book with brian they encounter these people who who call themselves the masters And these masters claim to be the people who have helped Catherine and Brian and all the other characters in the story reincarnate into the lives that they had chosen. But the big problem is every time one tries to test the veracity of the story that they are giving, so whether it be the address in a village they lived or the name of a person that they are the reincarnation of back in 
any country that you care to mention, it is sometimes it is absolutely on the nail and sometimes it is completely un unverifiable in in whatever way you you talk about it so sometimes the masters will talk about oh yeah in this life they lived in this village and it's completely provable that that village never ever happened and yet sometimes when they talk about a previous life they say oh yeah so this this person that you're inhabiting this time they died in a blue car on this road in 1972 and they can find a newspaper article that completely relates to that and this is why i think this exploration into previous lives becomes massively dangerous because you encounter these entities which don't appear to be entirely truthful and appear to be telling a story that is supposedly, it seems, intent on drawing you into a world where you are doing what they want. So quite often, the masters that Brian and Catherine encountered ask them to do things. They ask them to travel somewhere. They ask them to look into a particular part of history. They ask them to... Uh, not speak to somebody that was in Catherine's life. They they tried to take over parts of their life, and yet some of the stories that they were recounting were obviously lies. And this, to me, yeah, is terrifying. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think I think whichever way you look at it, it sounds quite dangerous. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you look at it from that point of view, if you mm. go with this theory of the masters, um, and I'll come on to uh, possession in a minute, but actually if you if you went from a sceptical mm. point of view, it was sounding incredibly dangerous as well. Do you know what I mean? Because from his point of view, yes, getting obsessed with pushing her to experience the point of death <laughs> so he can find out, what it is that seems incredibly dangerous thing to do if the if it is just a planted memory or yes. uh, uh that the person themselves is trying to please the hypnotist subconsciously you know subconsciously trying yes. to do that so if it is paranormal it seems incredibly dangerous if it's not it seems incredibly dangerous to me yeah, yeah, and and all the way through, what what Brian was trying to do once he realised that he felt like he was getting through to real past lives and not just false memories, what he was trying to uncover was what happened after you died. That, although that didn't appear to be a stated Boy, mission yes. in the book, that seems to be. Yeah the thing that he was trying to do. And every time he got close to that, he would just get this sort of, I don't know, uh, not a random, but like a non-committal message from Catherine about, oh, I'm floating, I can see my body, um, I'm in a really warm place, I don't want to leave. And then the masters would step in. And I suppose, like, it, in the... 
it the the fact they call themselves the masters feels very warm and comforting if they are who they say they are but when their statements don't always add up and when you compare it across both books it actually becomes terrifying because there is it 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 could be that there are entities or a entity which is basically just lying and why are they lying about these these really important things and more importantly why is some of it true because if some of it is true then there is you know there is evidence there that there is there's an ability there right so it's not just it's all made up because if it was all made up you could go well this is just part of uh, a false memory this is part of an imagination from Catherine. this is something which isn't real we can we can discard it but when there is verifiable truth within what they're yeah. saying i and think it, that's that, that, scary. It kind of tying into something i thought quite early on in the conversation that we've been having is and i think it's interesting you mentioned a trickster spirit because yeah what is the difference between a past life and a possession <laughs> do you know what i mean are they the same? Could they be the same thing? If you go with the paranormal, um, mm. it would be pretty hard to distinguish between the two, wouldn't it? Oh, it, it would be almost impossible to distinguish between the two. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's what it feels like they're relying on is because every time you come back with a, well, that doesn't, that doesn't pan out, they can always have an excuse. Oh, well you know, that person got married and changed their name. Oh, well, that village wasn't called that back then. And, you know, there might not be any records of it. There's always an excuse. There's always an excuse. But when it does pan out, they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and they can do things like the master, you you know, who says, oh, well, uh, you, you were called Richard... And uh, you died in 1942 in a Lancaster bomber in a fire over the English Ocean. Um, and they verify that. Then comes forward, they, the master says, oh, well, this is, uh, this is um, Chris, who was also in that aircraft. Yeah. And he died with you. And he was your best mate. And here's Chris. Yeah. And then Chris goes, oh, hello, Richard. Yeah, that was terrifying. But... When they say, oh, yeah, you, you lived in this Greek village in 1142 and they can't find any evidence of that Greek village, none of that happens. They just say, oh, well, you know, that Greek village, it's, been, it's changed names loads of times. And then you get really spurious stuff where they, you know, they say, well, what, what is it now? And they're like, well, we yeah. don't know. Well, how can you not know? How can you know all this other stuff but not know that? And this... I think this is terrifying. This, to me, when I read it and started writing this down, this, to me, speaks of when I when I mentioned my friend and the Ouija board that night three years yeah. ago and the person claiming to be her grandmother and it saying something and her saying that is absolutely not my grandmother. It's like they put down enough evidence to pretend to be who they say they are 
and then it turns out that not all of it's true and then you like you you instantly start thinking well why what what is the motivation for doing that why expend that evidence and what is it you want out of us and and you can't avoid you can't avoid the evil entities you can't avoid going are they feeding off emotion is there is there something here that is trying to feed off emotion create some sort of feeling in a living human to take something away from them and yeah but it's, it's terrifying. interesting you may you mentioned ouija boards because i think i think i feel well i know i feel about this past life regression you know tied in with the hypnosis i think a bit in a similar way as i do ouija boards it's almost if it is something paranormal going on you're opening up something quite dangerous yes and if it's something not paranormal and psychological going on or a false memory planting you're opening up something quite dangerous <laughs> whichever yes. way you look at it whichever side of the fence you come down you know if you're a believer or a doubter in this i just feel either way it yeah it could have incredibly damaging psychological and physical effects on you whichever way you look at it i just oh, yeah. scary scares me i think yeah 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 uh, absolutely i i actually came away from reading that book and also like i will do hungry ghosts one day but i the the knowledge i take from hungry ghosts is when i read it as a teenager many years ago and it has had a reissue and i know it's been slightly changed but um it sticks with me strongly but i do think that when i come away from this i'm not comforted i'm thinking there is there is more to this than um somebody coming across previous life experiences and when when i say that what i what i also mean is when we go back to those earlier accounts where 70 percent of the facts can be verified but the others can't why why can that why why can they not be verified if it's true why can it not be a hundred percent and you can say oh well you know there's room for error it seems like 70 percent is a good statistic yes but if some of those things and they are are about where this person lived but where that person lived doesn't exist where is that information coming from and why why would that be presented as truth yeah and so i think on your your 70 percent you've got to look at what that information is do you know what i mean if yeah. it's and I'm not, I'm not saying it is this but if it's uh oh we live by a stream <laughs> you know what i mean it's like well you've got a good chance that you're going to get lucky with that whether you're deliberately doing it or subconsciously doing it whereas yeah. whereas you know like you said about the brands of the incense that uh the the person in sri lanka had done that that stuff's like well that's that's harder to think you might just get lucky with that you know but so, like I, I guess what i'm saying is 70 percent does the majority of that 70 percent could you just cold read it or 
be lucky, do you know what I mean, or apply to most people, whereas those specific details I think are more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, cold reading, but some of those things are so specifically provable. Yeah, that's the point, yeah. Um, yeah. That I, I just can't get away from... I think there is something nefarious at... There's, there's something there, whatever there's, it is. Yeah, there's something there. Um, I like I, this idea that we talked about earlier about, I think, the genetic coding passing down i yeah. think that is really interesting yeah it, it is that that could explain a lot and maybe through hypnosis or regression you just you're tapping into that but that you know that could that that's that's another prong on our journey into the paranormal that we should investigate further because that could explain quite a lot of paranormal activity some kind of genetic memory that you access. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, it could, it could. Yeah. Well. Fascinating, though. It's um, chilling, I think. I feel a bit yeah. Yeah, it's scary, really scary. Yeah, I, 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 of, I think it's scary. I think it's scary. I would, uh, you know, I mean, people do what they want and, and believe in what they want. I certainly would kind of warn anyone think twice before you do any of those kind of regressions because like we said if it's either you could be opening up something scary paranormal or if it's not paranormal something scary psychologically for yourself yeah 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 i i i think if you've got some entities saying that they're the masters and they are sometimes lying to you then that's not that's not a good thing that's not a good thing Get your coat. <laughs> Get your coat. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, that is the end of uh, a specifically I, I, chilling journey. I think we should definitely um, revisit the genetic stuff as well. Because yeah, I, I do too. That's really, really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, um, yeah. Oh, I feel like I need to lie down after that. But don't try and regress me. <laughs> I'm not going to regress you. But uh, if that was interesting, uh, I'd love to hear any of your experiences. But um, uh, on top of that, I'd also very much like if you could tell a friend, like and subscribe, because that really does help us. It really does help us. It's really good. And yeah, we'd love to know what you think about this subject. Yes. It is, it is, it's fascinating. It's controversial. um, And yeah I, I and i think it does fit with what what we're doing of whether you're a believer in it a complete skeptic or you know somewhere in between because like you said ben there are bits of it where you go that bit it's kind of great for us where you go that is a bit weird whatever you think right oh yeah absolutely yeah there's yeah the 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 deeper you delve the weirder it gets Definitely. We should change that to our tagline. <laughs> the deep of your tail. <laughs> we, I'm glad we're losing that we're the paranormal podcast that gets further away from the truth. I think we should change it <laughs> to the deeper you delve, the weirder it gets. But um, yes, like, subscribe, come back next week, tell a friend, 
and we'll be back with more quantum mechanics weirdness see you next week see you next time Quantum mechanics.